Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer and I will be your host. Today's guest is one of my all-time favorite people in the PR and social world. Her name is Sarah Evans. We met probably 12 or 13 or 14 years ago on Twitter. We were public relations pros who were figuring out the ins and outs of how social media fit into the PR world. Since then, we've collaborated on a bunch of projects. We've been on um, panels together, speaking at different conferences. Sarah wrote the foreword to my first book, Social PR Secrets. I'm very excited to catch up with her. She is always sharing some of the best tips and tricks and platforms, and she never holds back on any social PR secrets. She always wants to share. In this episode, we talk about the state of social media, the state of digital PR, what brands need to know, and some of the projects that she's working on now, and her latest newsletter that you can subscribe to and get firsthand all of her social PR secrets. So join me in this episode with Sarah Evans. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. I have one of my all-time favorite, oldest PR, social PR secrets experts, Sarah Evans. Hey Sarah. Hi. Uh, I just have to show you. Okay, so number one, you wrote the foreword to the first edition of Social PR Secrets. There's your name right there. Um, four editions later, it's way too thick. I'm never doing another edition. That's why we have the podcast. <laughs> and I also have your book that you wrote, Reframe. Oh my God. Lisa, that is so old. Collector's item. <laughs> it is. Not even in print anymore. Um, okay, so how I met you, Sarah, I met you on Twitter when you started um, Jern Chat, and we were just like these few public relations people out there on Twitter in the beginning. And um, fast forward to today, here we are. Um, social media is in a completely different place than it was however many years ago that was, 12 or 15 12, years ago? 12, yeah. 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, just fast forward to today, tell us like where you are, and if you could, just, actually, I love the story of how you got started. So just tell that, how you first got started with this. You've got to be sick of hearing it, but thank you. Um, yes. The short version is I worked myself out of a safe, steady job um, and created my own company 11 years ago. That company has changed and evolved several times over the past 11 years. And part of it gets at the very heart of what you just mentioned. Um, there were very few people doing social when it all first started. So no one had it in-house. So it was a nuance. It was unique. It was new. So the folks would bring myself in and our team in to help even more than PR, but just taking PR to a social level. And now the majority of people do have it in-house or agencies have had it on. So the landscape has changed. And so I've had to change and evolve of what I actually offer. And it's almost like white glove service per client, what are, what are their problems or what are they trying to plan, promote, launch? Um, and then we customize something very specific to those needs. Yeah, what I've loved, I mean, and we were just talking about this yesterday, how you, um, I admire that you have been brave enough to just like scrap something and say, okay, I'm done <laughs> with this, I'm moving on. Like Jern Chat was one of them and a couple other, you know, I think one of your blogs that you had, you just shut down and, um, you know, it's, I think that that's, takes a lot like you have to recognize okay that i need to 
pivot, switch gears. This isn't something that I need to switch gears with and and go to some go to the plan B or the next step or whatever. And the social media revolution has really taught, I think, marketers and public relations professionals, you know, a lot of lessons in, you know, old school doesn't work, new school doesn't stay the same. Every day is different, every year is different. It, it's true. I was counting after you and I had that talk yesterday, and I've probably shut down more than 35 things over the past 11 years. Part of it was because of bandwidth issues. Jern Chat was extremely popular and it actually helped catapult my business. But when I had my first child, I could no longer commit to the amount of planning that went into it. And if I couldn't do it right, I didn't want to continue doing it because I put you know, a lot of time and effort into that. And night times became family time. Uh, where I didn't have that before. So a lot of things have evolved and changed, not just because of the landscape, but because of my own personal and, and family needs. Yeah, and one thing that I do love that you've, you've done, and we've talked about this in some of the interviews that you did for my social media management class back in the day, um, how you transitioned, you know, brought PR into the digital correspondent type of role, which, you know, is it's not as new now, but I mean, it's still innovative, it still works. So talk a little bit about that. Well, at the time, I, you know, being a good PR person, I'll promote, I, I didn't know anyone else. I made up that title at the time. Um, it was before the word influencer was really a thing. And um, now I really break it out into three different options for a client. I always work as a digital correspondent, meaning a third party, um, essentially brand ambassador who can talk about specific topics or moments in time. I do this a lot for Cox Communications. Um, if you're in a, a Cox market and we do satellite media tours and things where I can really offer my expertise and voice around um, areas that are important for them. And then I have my digital PR unagency, which really means we customize um, the, the client group based on what their needs are, what their budget is. And then third is just as a strategic communications consultant. So it might be around digital PR or it might be around something specific where they don't need execution. They just need a mind or a brain to come in and help. And yes, Rainbow Dash, you look beautiful. <laughs> and this is the world that we live in now, working from home with our kids around us and everything's cool, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, so what do you say to... Um, you know, we have entrepreneurs that are listening to this that maybe are thinking about PR or they're already, they, they have PR as um, part of their strategy. What's, what is the state of public relations and what do you say to entrepreneurs just thinking about it? I always like to talk about the way I view PR and it really hasn't changed the way we do it has, but I think about the PR is really all of the things that keep people coming back, things that connect people to your brand. So while it might be appear to be, you know, the softer side of things with marketing or ad spends, you can see real-time analytics and results. PR is something that's done well over time and through the long term. It really is the comprehensive touches of your, your brand, your business, your product with folks. It is important to invest in whether you're outsourcing or bringing someone in or whether you're doing it, it's, it yourself. It's important to be mindful and start to look at all of the things that could be considered PR and making sure they have a consistent feel, message, look, um, and that goes for all parts of your business from customer service to receiving the product to follow up to just the social media interactions. Okay, I will do it as soon as I'm done. <laughs> what I, well, one of the things I love about public relations is once you kind of get in there, you can really help a brand in so many other ways um, from a creative branding standpoint. Um, you can recognize if they 
you know, from a public relations standpoint, if their branding isn't up to speed, you know, that, that could be, you know, hurt their public relations. If their website is, you know, has user issues or, you know, doesn't have certain things within the website, that could be a public relations issue. Like, so there's so many things that a PR expert, a professional can come in and help a brand with that's not just a press release or can you write a press release for me? Can you get me media coverage? There's a lot of um, ways and PR is such a broad term that I think brands, entrepreneurs, startups don't realize how valuable a public relations professional can be from those aspects. Absolutely. Press release, especially if you're a startup, you know, looking for SEO opportunities. And Lisa, you've been one of the, you know, preeminent sources for all of us out there, that intersection of SEO and PR. And, and the press release isn't the be-all, end-all. The press release might contain the who, what, when, where, why, and how of the story. But then what do you do with each of those pieces? And where does it resonate? And how do you tell each of um, your stakeholders? And if it's not a story where, you know, official story where the media is picking it up, what are all of the ways you can help resonate, share, talk, listen um, around that, that concept or announcement? Yeah, and one of the things I love, and I know that you um, incorporate this too, is just how brand journalism is, you know, we don't have to go through the, the journalist per se. We can create our own editorial type of content um, on whether it's Facebook Live or um, YouTube. So what are some innovative or creative thing, creative ways that you see that being done? You know, I'm just because I'm uh, the mom of young kids, there was something trending on Twitter today. In fact, I tweeted about it. I'm going to pull it up. It was an article done by Tech Insider, and it was about how to keep your bowels regular. And <laughs> the way it was done was super innovative. I, what I actually do is when I'm researching things or sharing them, I'm not only looking at the content, but the way the content is shared. So this was not a long form article, but it is um, a captioned animated video that they did, they've already had almost 600,000 views um, in the past three days on this. And it's talking about, it's done with journalism in mind, but I thought this is resonating so well on a topic that people are like, really it's about poop, but it's um, science-based, it's creative, it's unique, and it's not a long form article that you have to read. So I'm saving this as a best practice because this is something a brand could do. If you have a really unique topic, maybe in an unbiased way, instead of an infographic or a long form article, how can you be unique in sharing that information? And the sound bites in it were also really attractive. They led with, um, here's why mooing like a cow, doing yoga and more, are in your bowel's best interest. Immediately <laughs> caught my attention. Um, and so it's, it's gonna be one of the best practices I use ongoing um, because I think it's just extremely well done and it's something that just happened today. So I could have given you an example from a week ago, a month ago, but look how things are changing that quickly. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny that you said it's about poop because one of my um, entrepreneur friends who owns a health and wellness, um, kind of like a, an email, email magazine. So he was giving tips on his email marketing tips and subject lines. And he was like, anytime we put poop in the subject line, we get the most opens, we get the most engagement. <laughs> poop, animals, and kids. Yeah. <laughs> the secret right there. Yeah, yeah. It used to be cats only, but now yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's, it's evolved. It's evolved. Um, so speaking of that, so um, what do you say is the state of social media today? And how does it, where does it inter interact with public relations versus 10 years ago when it was like so innovative? 
I think now it's super confusing. If I did, if I had to do one word, super confusing, and I know we're going to talk about this, but it's, it's really the impetus why I'm starting to create more simplistic tools right now um, to help folks get a grasp on what's at our disposal. Now there's so much that you could say, okay, I want to, I want to do a campaign on every single popular social network right now. Well, that's extremely costly, overwhelming. And we're not just talking about ad campaigns, but what are all the ways you can communicate? So I think, at a, at a glance, it can be very confusing. And now it's time to take a step back. How can we simplify um, and make things work on each network? Because you're, not, you're no longer dealing with two or three. You know, we're looking at 10 plus. Yeah, so let's get into it. So the, the way that this whole interview started was you created this draft that's now it's almost at its final version or it's in five versions. You can tell us about it, but it's on social media communications and it just takes breaks down what will tell us it breaks down each channel into what are the opportunities to ask listen share so communications opportunities on each social network really one of the things i do when i'm doing a strategy for a campaign is i start to just brainstorm what are all what are all the channels what are all the tactics what are all the ways that we could share promote or tell this story and i had a running list that i was using and one day i went to go search for something that was similar to this and couldn't find it anywhere and thought well what if i just create it so i i laid it out in a very visually relatively pretty way i would say but then i released it via my um newsletter and i gave it the really pretty version and then i also copied and pasted everything into a Google Doc, into a checklist. And that by far was the most popular version. Everybody was was pulling that. And um, there have been people in it for the past two days every time I look. So that obviously is something that's needed because people want to build that into their workflow. I'm calling it version one because I'm updating it daily. Like I just realized today under LinkedIn, I didn't have the featured uh, featured moment under personal profiles which is another place you can keep things featured ongoing if, if you wanna share news and information. Um, and then as I was building it out, I realized there were unlimited opportunities to simplify and create really just a, a quick reference guide for your virtual pocket. Something you could keep on hand, save it to your phone, save it to your desktop. So now I'm pulling in a quick look at demographics and statistics across Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, Pinterest, Snapchat, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. Um, character counts and content guides, ad placement opportunities, accessibility guidelines, and then some quick performance tips. And I figure in those six pages, anybody could have those and just reference them before they do anything. Yeah, and since I met you, my favorite thing about you is that you are so giving. You just share everything. You create these documents and you create these, I mean, now it's your, your newsletter, which we'll talk about at the end so people can subscribe, but you used to have, um, what was, was it comments? The comments matter? Yeah, they're yeah. so good. <laughs> um, yeah, that you just, you know, you gave away like tips and tricks and platforms and your favorites, Sarah's Babes, I think that was another one. Yeah. These are just coming to me. <laughs> my checklist, it's so funny, I was going through my checklist writing all those things down like dead, dead, dead. <laughs> But yeah, you've always been so giving at putting the stuff together and putting these, um, you know, things that you discover and you test things out. So can you pick like maybe one or two of the channels and just kind of like walk us through like, a, a, you know, the, what, like how you would like match up a brand and what's sure, the yeah. um, That's a great idea. Let's look at Instagram because it has two columns where every other one has one because there are so many things. So let's say you're going to, um, 
make a big announcement that was visually appropriate. You know, to, you've identified Instagram's the place to go. So we look at all of the things and just a quick highlight would be ads, your activity feed, AR effects, boomerang. Um, you have to comment on something, the contact button, an explore page, follow, hashtag. So you're, you start to look at all of those things. And then you, what you would do is checklist them out. Okay, for this announcement, here are the five to 10 things based on those two columns that would be most appropriate for our launch. Now, how can we utilize them? Is it that we're changing our brand URL to a landing page for the next 72 hours? Is it that our contact number goes to a new number that then does something, triggers something for someone? So you can look at unique ways to do that. Are you going to um, highlight your story in a specific highlight for the next X amount of time? So you basically just take those things and instead of trying to remember them each and every time, just have a visual that's always there and hopefully it saves people time and allows them to do more and do better having it there. I love that. I love that. And I love your opinion on TikTok because that's kind of like a hot topic right now, politically and social media wise. Yes. So I won't comment on it politically, yeah. but <laughs> from a social content, I mean, it's, it's still there and it's extremely relevant. Um, in fact, fun fact, my husband had to delete it off his phone because he couldn't stop looking at it. He was like, I, he's like, this has become a time suck. I have to delete it. So we left it on my phone because I have to use it for, you know, work, work purposes. He'll <laughs> access it. So it's important whether or not your, you know, thoughts politically, if it's a place where an audience is, it's something to be mindful of and look. And I mean, and when I built this list, it also forced me to learn more about TikTok and, and the opportunities, just like when Snapchat evolved, the augmented reality component, the VR component, um, GIF messages, lengths and time around things, the demographic that most watch it, the content that performs the best. You, know, you really have to know the nuances. Yeah. And I think that it is overwhelming for brands to, um, when all, you know, the new networks come out, like TikTok is new-ish, not completely new, but it's like, how do you decide, you know, what the priority should be? And we see the mistake still that brands are trying to be everything on all channels yep. um, equally. And it's really, it's, I mean, it's always been the advice for the past, you know, seven years, but now it's like crippling for a brand to try to, to be everywhere. Yeah, it's everything to everyone. If you don't have the bandwidth, you simply can't. Um, so you look at maybe one to three where you can excel and invest time and and strategy to it. I mean, you can see now that the people that perform the best on Instagram, they really do invest in a certain style. It doesn't necessarily have to be the most expensive um, output of content, but they really invest in what their, their consistent look is, their feel, their brand. You can see it with influencers as well. And you can tell they put time and effort into what they're creating. If brands were just, if a brand was just getting started in PR, um, how, what are some tips that you would recommend in blending social media and PR and, and leveraging the two together, especially if you're on a budget? I think it's a case by case basis to be quite honest. Um, I, I can tell when a brand is just, I mean, anybody can tell when a brand is just throwing content on Twitter to support their PR efforts. And when people say, well, we don't have a lot of followers or engagement, you can look at the content and there's a direct correlation as to why. You'll see very little engagement. Um, so I would say for a brand who's just getting started, I would place a 90% emphasis on engagement and 10% on content creation. And then, and then you know, make that even out over time. But just starting to talk to potential customers, influencers, media, uh, whatever your goals are, look for those folks and engage on those networks. 
if you don't have the bandwidth to create for yourself. And over time, you obviously have to build in time to create as well. Yeah, that's so smart. It's actually opposite of what most brands, they are so concerned about the quantity of followers and not so much concerned about engagement, but, or they're concerned about engagement, but um, they've been only focus, focusing on growing their following. So it's like they can't really get the engagement because they don't have the quality audience. So it's just like catch 22. Um, it really is. So I think just that change in mindset can really be a game changer. What is your favorite social media platform? You know the answer, Lisa. Mm-hmm. It's, Twitter. <laughs> it's Twitter. I I love Twitter too. Like it's it's like it's sad to see a lot of um, a lot of people that used to be on Twitter aren't on it as much. But I really love Twitter too. It's made a resurgence in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, like, let me tell you. It definitely has. And I mean, I also think LinkedIn has had like a huge, um, just like the past couple of years, I'm really loving LinkedIn for so many reasons. What are some specific LinkedIn tips that you like? One of the things we do, I mean, I'll just talk about it from a very basic level. Um, when we use the word influencer, it's a subject matter expert or someone who has you know reach or resonance in different places. And I'm still working to educate clients on the importance of, um, so let's say we get a, a media hit or we have a report that re- is released, for example, getting someone who has a relevant audience um, on LinkedIn to share can be really powerful. So one of the things we will do are um, to look for moderators or founders of LinkedIn groups that have a really big reach around specific topics, whether it's, you know, integrated marketing, Marcom, um, or, you know, finance industry, insert your topic and look for those folks and look for opportunities to share information. Maybe it's an opportunity to say, hey, can my CEO come do an ask me anything session with your group for an hour and just give out free advice? Or we launched a report, we'd like to share it with you all first. Or we launched a report and here are the findings from it. We thought it would be applicable to your group. So that would be one of my favorite tips that I think is often overlooked or forgotten about when you're thinking about how to get news information um, and awareness out there. Yeah, and in some cases, people just don't even realize that that's even possible. They don't look at it like that. Like I like to compare it to, um, you know, applying it also to Facebook groups and, and targeting yeah. and looking for the right Facebook group and the admin of that Facebook group to invite the brand, whether it's the CEO, to talk about X, Y, Z in a very educational way. Just you know, it's like the new journalist is the admin, is the group yep. admin. So important. And speaking of journalists, um, what do you think of today's media outreach when it comes to journalism, to, to targeting journalists? Because so much has changed and even contacting them, like, you know, everyone's on a mobile device, a smartphone. You know, it's, it's not gotten any easier. I've watched a lot of reporters have their beats changed over this time during COVID-19. Either they're focusing specifically on COVID-19 or it's been added Um, to their beat. I think like anything and I've learned over the years and it should seem like such a simple thing to know but as a PR person to really find your area or areas that you specialize in because trying to keep a pulse on the entire media industry is extremely overwhelming and it's just not doable. So finding your areas and really getting to know those reporters, bloggers, influencers, subject matter experts, thought leaders in that area is, is much more digestible when you look at it in that scope. Yeah, and I see you spend a lot of time building Twitter lists of journalists and media lists and, you know, you said it, like, it's very hard to keep track of who's doing what today and sometimes it's, they're freelancing for multiple publications and multiple topics too. It's not even, they don't even really specialize in some cases. 
such a great point. I just helped. Um, so one of the things I do is when I work with um, a writer, and I always talk about this, pitching people who aren't clients just to get a reporter what they need. And I'll say, reach out to me if you need more sources for anything. And I, I put a priority on that. And I just helped a writer at Money um, this past week. I had nothing to do with the person that I sourced the article for, but now he knows he can keep coming to me and he writes for five or six different outlets. Yeah. So it's a wonderful relationship. And I'm happy to help because I, my mantra is the best way to build influence is by building it for others first. So yes. if I can do that, that is, that brings me joy. It helps a reporter and it helps someone else who's an expert. Yes, definitely. And public relations is awesome as long as you have a passion for it and you really have to love it, but it also can be extremely thankless. <laughs> um, yeah. And what are some, let's just talk about like some annoying things that public relations professionals okay. have to deal with. Let me start with this. Maybe one of the reasons you just hit the nail on the head, why I want to help so many others is because I get those thank yous from it. Like, yes, yes. I'm like, oh, I'm gratified. I got right. it for today because I did 20 other things, you know. Um, well, one of the things you and I have talked about is uh, response time to media. So when you work with clients, some of it could be the fault of my own that I didn't do a good enough job educating them on um, what's appropriate response time for media, but it can overwhelm folks who say, well, we want media attention. And then they get something, but they have to respond in 15 to 20 minutes. And then they're upset because they want 24 hours notice or 48 hours notice. Well, if they wait 48 hours, that reporter's already gone on to get another source, written the piece and it's out. Um, so it's like getting people to respond in a timely manner. Yeah, I think there was a study, I think it was by Haro, where um, even the horrors that they'll say, okay, you know, there's three days to respond to this media, but the reporters took a survey and said it's usually the first couple that they get that they oh. use in a story. And then, you know, by the time the deadline comes, like their story is done. So, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. And I, so I put it in every media opportunity. I'll say, we need to respond in this amount of time. If not, it reduces our chances by X. And then I'll say if it's a non-negotiable deadline. Um, then I also follow up with, you know, I'm not, I'm not a mean PR person. I'll say, you know, if we don't get this opportunity, there will be others, unless it's for like the Today Show or something where, you know, you don't get this right the second time around. Um, set some expectations there as well, because they, they may not, you know, if, if they're a business professional, they might be in meetings, they might be on a call, they might, if they're a physician or a surgeon in a procedure. So you obviously have to be mindful. Yes, definitely. Speaking of the Today Show, so it seems like top tier media like the Today Show, clients will come and they'll, you know, have a new product or new service and, you know, on their list is the Today Show. So what do you say to controlling expectations for these types of wants and asks? You know, what's interesting is I was talking to a company last week and they said, oh, we got a quote from an agency in New York who is going to charge us $10,000 to get our project, our product placed on the Today Show. So I think that's a good frame of reference that if someone's putting that amount of money and bandwidth in into that, you know, because they know what the ROI is going to be on it. You know, you can't say my budget's $1,500, please get me on the Today Show. My budget's $3,000 a month because you almost have to invest full efforts into that pitch and how you do it. It's usually not as simple as an email and having great relationships with the producers, understanding the visual component and visual angle, knowing all of the segments and where it's appropriate. Like there, there's just a lot that goes into it. 
I feel like somebody saying that, an agency saying that is like another agency saying, you can pay me $10,000 for us to get you on page one of Google. Yeah. It's, it's really not something that you can actually put an amount yeah. of money and- it's not guaranteed. That's the other, yeah, yeah. It's not guaranteed. I should have led with that. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, there's no guarantees in anything. And, you know, one of, one of my things that I've really, you know, tried to get better at educating the clients with, especially in the past year is just the expectations and that, you know, it, if you're going to commit to, you, you don't necessarily have to commit to, to us, but commit to public relations that it's like something you're never going to stop doing because it's not something you test out. It's not something that you're going to try for three months or that you're, you're, what can we get in three months and like have a guarantee, but it's something that you will get, um, you know, results that you can't buy in advertising after a year or two. And Lisa, I assume you're like me when, when we're doing kind of the first initial meet and greet before they've even signed or their clients, we, we talk about that expectation setting from day one, that yes, we always work to get that media coverage, but part of the reason you work with a digital PR firm is because we're looking at all the other ways to tell your story when you get those media hits, you might not get another one right away. So what do you do in the interim and how can you repurpose that great media hit and amplify it and, and do those things? So you should work with someone who gets the full scope. Yes. And what are some of the ways that you repurpose the media coverage? So again, it depends what, where they have access to. Number one might be a targeted Facebook ad. Let's say they're going for funding. It's a startup mm -hmm. for funding. Mm -hmm. Repurpose that um, media hit as a Facebook ad tar targeting those VCs, right? So that's one way they're going to, it's going to ping them. It's going to see them. If you're connected with those folks on LinkedIn, well, LinkedIn's going to notify them that you've been mentioned in a tier one media outlet. And for this instance an example we're talking about a tier one media outlet so it's all a perfect storm right yeah uh, you're including it in your investor deck it goes in your email signature line you're also doing a recap on your blog and then sharing that you're um, using that in various places where people have a touch with you during the day you're celebrating it on your own social accounts it becomes evergreen and it goes in your social media editorial calendar so you look at all of these things to you know really gain traction with that over 30, 60, 90, 120 days. Yes, I love that. And one thing that I always, I talk about this all the time, but I just can't help myself because, you know, a brand will be like, oh, um, yeah, our media spend is 100,000 a month. And okay, great, what's your PR budget? Oh, well, you know, they're not really sure what their, you know, whatever. It's like a fraction, fraction, fraction of the ad spend. Um, or, you know, they just launched a website and the website really isn't optimized to send paid traffic to, but they're still going to spend 10,000 a month and send paid traffic to a bad website that isn't going to convert or they haven't invested. Basically the bottom line, they're, they're willing to spend, you know, a hundred X on advertising, but like when it comes to organic, which organic is really going to give them the most value. It's like, well, we're not sure we have a budget for that. Got to rethink it. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm sure you run into that too, where it's like the advertising spend is just crazy and then they're trying to find money for PR. And you know, in the past six months things have changed and I will say a lot of the brands we work with took stock of their ad spend, reduced it, invested more in PR because they didn't want to make mistakes on a public front and they were also revamping their ad campaigns because they just didn't want to appear tone deaf or they just blatantly didn't fit with the scope of where we are today. Yeah, I, I've seen that too, where um, the ad spend has come down and they're 
looking at their branding, their public relations, and you know, how can they incorporate it, which that is a good thing. I'd say one good thing from 2020. Absolutely. That's a good thing. So um, we're going to wrap this up, but please tell us about your newsletter, where we can get all of your good stuff, and where we can follow you. Well, I'm excited because my newsletter is brand new. Um, I'm doing it on Substack, which is a platform that I, I really like personally. And like all things, I tested it out because I want to be able to recommend it to clients. And if, how can I recommend a tactic and, and execute it if I don't know how it works? Um, so it's called practical with an at sign for the A because I always behind the scenes think about myself as practical and tactical. Like I want to I want to execute. I don't want to just have big ideas and come across to that person who said, oh, I gave a great idea, but I want to get it done. Um, so I'm trying to um, be more mindful of that. And it forces me each week to really think about things from a practical and tactical standpoint. So it's prsaraevans.substack.com. And my goal is over the next few years to release all of the tools and things that I've built over these 11 years as they apply um, and share them with that group so that anybody who's reading it can build up their own influence and get more media opportunities. Uh, I love that. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes. And one last question. So, you know, I follow your, your daily life outside of work and you're just working out. You're so fit. You have such a great regimen when it comes to self-care. So what can you share that you are, that is kind of getting you through 2020 from a digital detox? Okay. Secrets. So it's a secret and the secret behind the secret is that sometimes my health things come from a not so healthy place. So being quarantined and home and being a mom and a business owner and a wife, um, I was starting to feel like I was kind of failing at all areas because let's say I was on a conference call and my daughter or my son needed me for something and I said I had to say wait. Then I felt like a failure because I wasn't making them a priority and then I was worried I wasn't making business a priority. And health has always been important to me. I, I, I've always enjoyed working out. Um, but now I said it is a must have in my day and, um, I'm not going to be ashamed or embarrassed of it because that 30, well, 50 to 60 minutes usually that I invest in myself absolutely is reinvested in my day. I come up with better ideas after I work out. I feel more energized. I'm happier. I'm friendlier. Um, I can do a lot more. So my digital detox secret is making fitness in whatever way, what that means to you. If it's a walk, if it's a bike yeah doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be what I'm doing. Make it a must have. Um, uh, And, and also don't think about it as a secret. I used to worry that, Oh my God, my clients I'm working out right now, they're going to be mad, but really I do better for my clients um, when, when I can work best for them. And, and almost everyone we work with values health and wellness, which is important. Yeah. I think that this year especially has um, helped support health and wellness and people are going to be like, yeah, that's no problem. You're working out. That's good. You're taking a walk. You need it. (laughs) Yesterday at the end of the day, I have to tell you, I had such a kind of like crazy day and it was raining, not, not terribly raining, but I just like put on my running shoes and just ran, ran in the rain for like a half hour, you know, each way. And I felt a thousand percent better and even felt good just in the, yeah. you know, the light rain, just, it was like, you know, kind of cleansing my, my day and I like my Our mindset. Yeah. It's release. It's the music I listen to. It really changes my entire mindset. Yes, definitely. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing all your social care secrets, digital detox secrets, and um, we're going to subscribe to your newsletter and hopefully catch up with you again and get another update on whatever your next venture is or your next uh, thing that you're creating. You're amazing, Lisa. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.